Hello and welcome to this first episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns, and would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Uh, this is Jeff Went, uh, managing editor of Firebird Rising. And Matt Trainer. Uh, welcome to this first episode. Uh, obviously, after the first game of uh, Phoenix Rising's uh, season, uh, unfortunately, a one nothing loss to Toronto FC two uh, in the new Phoenix Rising soccer complex. Uh, interesting game, to say the least. Definitely. Um, yeah. First of all, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Firebird Rising, as well as uh, BGN Network. Um, we're, we're very thankful for BGN. Beautiful game. Uh, bringing our podcast uh, into uh, their network. And if you if you want to check their stuff out, uh, you can go to bgn.fm. There are actually a lot of other great podcasts for other teams if you're curious just about what's going on all over the place in the USL. Uh, I know Pittsburgh has one, St. Louis has one, there's an Eastern Conference one, so definitely give them a chance. And a special shout out to Mike Sparks, who has done a great job getting this out to all the platforms. So Great without job. further ado, let's get to it. Let's get into uh, highlights from the first match. Uh, interesting formation that uh, Uni uh, not United, uh, Phoenix Rising came out with. Uh, we were talking in the press box. A lot of people thought that it l came out as a 4-5-1. Uh, it was officially Columbus. listed as 4-1-4-1. We also thought it looked like a four-one-three-two at times, so uh, it was it was a very fluid formation. Um, what concerned us at the beginning, obviously, was the goal. How, was was how, well, <laughs> not, not, not just the not just the goal, but how uh, how Rising was sitting back at the beginning yeah. of the game. Yeah, what did you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, just the the defense looked like it just wasn't wasn't there the beginning of the game, you know, they just weren't in the position they needed to be and uh, just were outmatched, were slower. Something that concerned me too was uh, Wakasa getting the start. In the two preseason matches I saw, I didn't see him on the pitch at all. And I was really expecting AJ um, to get the start at right back. So that was kind of news to me that AJ Gray was not back there. And I know Toronto came out, uh, Raheem Edwards and Ben Spencer, were just absolutely toying with Wakasa on the wing. I think it was a problem in general that they were getting too much space on the wings and especially the left wing. But, you know, they were they were attacking on my side. I was in the supporter section the first half and it was not pretty. I mean, they, that would be criminal in some places. It was rough. Yeah, you watch, uh, you know, obviously, they, you know, Toronto was able to bring Edwards back because most of the FC players are on international break. So for Toronto FC2 to be able to get some of the first team players that don't get a lot of time to come back down, such as Edwards. Edwards playing against somebody who doesn't have as much experience in a Wakasa, you see some of the results that happen. Wakasa getting turned around two or three times and, and Edwards just blowing right by him. But obviously the tell for goal, you know, early. Do you want to walk us through that goal, since that was really Toronto's first big attacking Yeah, they, they, they pushed it up, and they pushed it to the left, you know, and uh, Spencer got the ball on the left-hand side there. Uh, really nice, really through, nice through ball. Through yeah. Very beautiful crossover to, to Telfer, and obviously, you know, Josh Cohen didn't really have much of a chance to really do anything to make a save. You know, it kind of put 
rising on their heels, yeah. as as a lot of times they have been in games in previous seasons. Seven minutes in, and you're already back on your heels. And unfortunately, it uh, just from watching a couple of the preseason matches, it looked like more of the same. Uh, just a quick counterattack from the opposition, and our backs don't get back in time, and it's just boom. You might be passing the ball around in the midfield for a minute or two, and all it takes is just five seconds of sloppiness, and right away they take advantage. Yep. But it was good to see United, uh, Phoenix Rising answer right back uh, right away after the goal. It was about uh, two minutes. Within, within two minutes, obviously, uh, Vasquez gets a, gets a ball wide on the, uh, on the right-hand side, throws in across to uh, Sean Wright Phillips, uh, puts it right, though, right into the center of, of Jason Pais, and, or Mark Pais, and made an easy save. Uh, but it was good to see that that, Definitely. that answer right away. Yeah. And really nice to see a good service because we didn't see enough of that last night. No, we did, we did not see a lot of good services. You know, and obviously part of that has to do with the fact with, with the midfielders sitting so far back. You know, we saw a lot of long ball play, which obviously we've seen for many, many years uh, with, this, with this club. And, and people know that when you try to play that type of, of game, it, it doesn't pan out a lot of times. You know, a lot of times last night too, you saw Omar Bravo just sitting up there by himself. Yeah. You know, ten, and, and nine guys are sitting back behind the center line. You can't really form an attack when you got nine guys sitting behind the center line. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I love Omar Bravo, but it doesn't seem like the smartest strategy to give him long balls when the defenders are several inches taller, yeah. stronger, bigger. You definitely see the height difference there. It's, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, you could last night. You could definitely see. Too, it. I would say Toronto for everybody. Compared to Phoenix Rising, certainly their front line. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to walk us through the rest of the first half? It seemed pretty quiet for the most part. Yeah, it it seemed like a quiet, quiet end of the first half. I mean, I think Rising finally started to get their feet right around the twenty fifth minute. Um, Seth, you know, Seth started to build a little bit. Um, he he had a ball in the in the twenty eighth, but he he had lost it. Um, Sean Wright. Phillips picked up a ball in the 35th, got it to Seth, but Seth was just over the top. That was mm-hmm. that was a good opportunity there. Um, and then in the 37th, Jason Johnson got a ball to, to Seth, but he missed the frame again. That was a tough night watching Seth missing the frame a lot. I mean, just yeah, he skied a couple. I mean, he he did sky a couple. So that that kind of is the first half, kind of in a recap. You know, just just. Yeah, one other thing too with the first half was the possession seemed very uh, favorable to Toronto. It was kind of a nervous first half. Yes, it, yes, know, it was. And quarter and, and, and and you know, Coach Frank Yallop did talk about that in the in the post game, and you'll you'll hear those comments here in just a few few moments. But he was he he could tell he could tell the way the game was going. He could tell it was tilted towards Toronto in the first half and obviously made some, made some adjustments in the yep. second half. And you saw those adjustments really quickly coming right out of the break. I mean, Seth gets a ball. Seth gets a ball a couple of minutes. And it may have just been a, a slight flick on, but still, the attack is now going forward. And you could see, you could see the things that Yallop preached in the locker room halftime started to finally work. So you have Seth you have Seth in the 48th. You have Ramage in the 49th. You get Rooney on a free kick. Rooney's specialty. Free kicks, 51st minute. He had a nice curler. 
nice diving curler. And Pais had to do a little bit of work, but but maybe yeah, save. someone could have just got a flick on that. That really was a great goal scoring chance. Yep. Um, you know, from that point on, we really you know you hit about the 60th minute. Uh, Yallop starts making changes. He brings on Chris Cortez, brings on Alessandro Riggi. And it definitely took a few minutes for those guys to get in it because I remember from the 60th to the 75th, it was strangely quiet. Yes, it was very strangely quiet. Just kind of a lot of midfield play. You didn't see a lot of attacks. Almost like we were up 2-0 trying to salt the game away. I'm like, whoa, what's the scoreboard saying right now? But I, I was a little surprised, though, that, that the changes that Yallop did make were basically uh, position for position. I, I anticipated seeing Yallop, you know, when, when you're bringing on a Cortez, I don't envision you bringing off a Mike Seth. I, I envision you bringing somebody off like a Matt Johnson, like a Jason Johnson, because mm-hmm. neither one of those guys really – or Matt Watson, I mean, I'm sorry. But, you know, neither one of those guys really got into the flow of the game for a while, and so that's where I thought the changes would come. But every move that Frank made last night was position for position, which really kind of surprised me. If you're trying to go for that that tying goal, you're going to bring on a forward for a midfielder and try to try to push the game a little bit more. But that just didn't happen. Did any of the subs that came on, those subs being Chris Cortez, uh, Riggi, and AJ Gray, did any of them really impress you in their time? Or I, I thought Riggi played pretty good. I thought I thought his movement was good. Um, Gray did. I mean, he he picked well, up a card a little, right away. He picked up a card right away, <laughs> which I, I was a little surprised because because the referee was was being a little more lenient last night than he normally is when when you see him refereeing a, a rising match. But you know, I I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of Riggy maybe. But I think position wise, where he was playing, it didn't give him that ability to. Um, it just. Trying, trying to get, I think trying to get them into the flow is the biggest thing. And, and obviously, with it being the first home match, new stadium, you could see the nervous energy that was there the entire night, no matter whether it was minute five, minute twenty, minute sixty. We'd be remiss though to not bring up the very good chances we had in the last ten minutes. Yes, we had two two great chances: one by Peter Ramage, and uh, one by Jason uh, Jason Johnson. Johnson's was just right oh there, my. just right there, and just couldn't get the flick on right. It just angled in the wrong direction and out. And it's one of those classic ones, too. You see the player on his knees in agony, slamming the grass. What did I do to get this fate? Why couldn't I put it in? Just one of those moments and one of those days for rising. But, hey, it was the first game, so yeah, what can you do? You know, it was a great crowd. Obviously, great atmosphere for the evening. Uh, you know, you had the, the opening ceremony to, to, you know, open the open the facility, but uh, you could definitely tell the nervous energy in the air from everybody, whether it was the fans, whether it was the players, whether it was the coaching staff. So it was a tough night all around. I mean, what, do we have any silver linings though to take I away? Th- I think we do. I mean, obviously, we know we've got good. We know we've got good goalkeeping. Whether it's going to be Cohen or whether it's going to be Wazinski. I think we know we've got two solid players that are going to be there, and they're going to push each other the entire year. So I would not be surprised if going out on the road next week, you know, you see you see Waz just to just to see where where both of those guys are at. 
It's you a know, good point. I think I think I think our center backs are good. I mean, obviously Ramage is, has a lot of experience there. Will we see Uchana Uzo maybe on the trip? It's a possibility. You know, we, we really don't know where his we really don't know where where he stands after the after the broken leg from last year. I think that's <coughs> a question mark in his head. You know, and maybe in Uzo's head is that's a great you know, observation. Yeah, you know, because he did, obviously did not play last night, but uh, you know, didn't where, even where get much at, time in preseason. Right, where he's at, you know, his 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 injury may still be at a point where he's just not quite 100 percent ready to go yet. But obviously, you know, the way he played last year and where, you know, where he was playing and him and Ramage together were just a a bruising force in there. You know, it'd be nice to see him get back in there eventually. So. Um, you know, I, I think you'd like to see more from, from a Sean Wright Phillips pushing up. You'd like to see more. From, you know, you hope Luke Rooney isn't falling into a position where he's playing a, a, a more of a holding back midfielder. Um, obviously, Yallop last night said that he wanted him to push forward, but just didn't see it. Maybe it was just he didn't see the situation right or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I, I think – Going forward, hopefully Rooney realizes, hey, I can still push forward. I can still be that guy I was last year. You know, even though somebody like a Sean Wright Phillips might be expected to fill that sort definitely, of role. Definitely, so. definitely. Um, couple things I noticed too. I think Riggy brings some really nice creative energy. Uh, definitely, he's a great sub. He'll come on. He'll bring up the levels of everyone around him. Uh, I would like to see him start at some point. I don't know if that's in Coach Yelp's plans. Maybe they need someone else back there, uh, at least to start the games, because he's not the biggest guy if teams are uh, bringing the ball along, which Toronto did at times yesterday. But I was very impressed with Riggy, as I was all preseason when I got the chances to see him play. And, I mean, I hope A.J. Gray gets that chance at right back next week, because... It was a rough night for Wakasa. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, well, let's go to some uh, let's go to some post game comments here from uh, from Coach Frank Yallop after last night's game. I mean, we addressed it at halftime. I think you know. I think opening night, a little bit of I wouldn't say nerves, but you know, not continuity right now. Um, look, we looked a little bit disjointed, if you like. So, it's the first game is out of our way now. I still think we should have maybe got a goal. You know, whether we deserve to get a tie or, you know, you can, you can decide that. But I think we, you know, second half, we had a spell in 20 minutes. We think we should have scored, but we didn't. And that's frustrating. Uh, but again, we just got to, you know, pick, up, uh, pick ourselves up and get ready for the next game. Was it more formation issues, do you think, or was it their, their, their formation that, that seemed to be? Well, yeah, they moved the ball quite sharply. Um, I said to the guys at halftime, we, you know, we didn't really pass the ball well at all. First half, I didn't think so. And I think that um, they did, and that was the difference in the game, to be honest. I would say the chances were, were, the chances were quite even. They had a few, we had a few, uh, but the general play was a little sharper than ours. Um, but, you know, it comes with a new team, and, and hopefully it's, you know, it's just a, it's a one-off for us. And um, we'll go back to work on, um, on Tuesday and, and, you know, take it from there. So, as we talk about uh, getting back to work, Next week, uh, we'll bring a road trip to Salt Lake City and facing uh, Real Monarchs SLC, who uh, yesterday defeated uh, Portland Timbers 2-1. Two, two 
Uh, Pretty goal. impressive result to open their season. Yes, especially going on the road to Providence Park and, and, and pulling out three points. Uh, it was actually two former Portland Timbers, two players that, that did uh, Real Monarchs uh, a favor in getting those three points. It was Nick Beesler and James Moberg scoring uh, goals for them, both off a of set corner pieces uh, from, from Charlie Adams. So uh, interesting that, that set pieces became a big deal for them for, for Salt Lake City. It's good that you note that because it's been a little bit of an issue, at least in preseason, for us. Well, we didn't, we didn't, and we didn't get to see too many set pieces last night. You saw a couple of corner kicks. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then we saw you know a couple of free kicks, but obviously Rooney's free kicks are, are, are a lot different when it comes from set pieces. So, um, new coach in in Salt Lake City with Mike Petke, and uh, obviously one of the one of the big players for Salt Lake City coming out is Chandler Hoffman, former Los Dos player and former uh, Louisville City star. Uh, obviously, he'll he'll make a big difference on the front end for for Real Monarchs. Um, they came out in a four-two-three-one formation last night against them. Uh, outshot Timbers two seventeen to eight with with nine shots on target. Um, lost the possession battle though 53-47, But obviously, you know sometimes possession what I'm, can be can be a little misleading at times. What I'm taking from these stats is, and this is concerning as a rising fan, they can counter pretty fast. And they're okay giving up some possession because they're going to come right down your throat on that counterattack with Hoffman. And that's the concern having that's the concern having having slower wingbacks such as Wakasa and Vasquez. If they're not prepared and ready for that counterattack, they're going to get burned on the corners. I was we, actually we could have and we could have another situation similar to the to, which led to the goal last night. So I was actually fairly impressed with Vasquez last night. He brought a little more than I was expecting. He didn't seem to be victimized too bad on the left wing, but maybe I wasn't paying attention enough. So that's that's a look at next week's opponent. <coughs> let's uh, let's get into some of the uh, highlights from uh, Western Conference teams in the USL. Uh, Los Dos started their campaign with a two nothing victory over Vancouver Whitecaps FC two. Uh, they got an own goal uh, from Sean DeWitt from uh, Vancouver and a goal from Ethan Zubak to, to give them the 2-0 victory. Uh, here's a surprising result, and let's, let's, let's talk about this one. Tulsa beating Colorado Springs 4-1. We all know what Tulsa did last year. I mean, so obviously this game was a shock. Well, as the kids say these days, started from the bottom, now they're here. Now they're at the top of the table on goal differential. We'll see how long that lasts, but... <laughs> Ian Savanston with two goals there, uh, leading the charge for Tulsa. Uh, uh, sporting, uh, sporting beat OKC 3-1. to one. Uh, Sporting getting a goal from Carlton Belmar, the former T2 star. Uh, getting their campaign going. Another um, another result uh, I might want to talk about for a few seconds. Um, Reno opened their new facility against Orange County SC. They lost two nil. There were what was the attendance figure? It was fifty six ninety one was the attendance figure for for Reno, which is a very good crowd for an opening match for for a place never had soccer before. So 
Uh, I guess I guess the takeaway here, I wouldn't worry too much if I was looking at it from a Reno perspective. What I am noting about Orange County is their defense is looking really nice. I was tracking their preseason matches, and they weren't conceding. They shut us out in the preseason match I went to, and they seem to have a very nice, compact back four, uh, really strong goalkeeping. They got, I forget the guy's name, but he was from Seattle, their team, and he started for the last couple of years there. I think they're going to finish top five in the West, and I know it's uh, Logan Paz's first year as their coach, but I don't know what's going on, but it's looking really nice for Orange County. Uh, maybe it's the better quality of players they're getting now that they're affiliated with LAFC uh, because they also got a lot of quality offseason signings in there, um, especially to bolster the back for. That's a team to keep your eyes on, and I think they're going to be one of the best defenses in USL. Yeah, if you're talking a compact back four, that obviously does not benefit a team such as Phoenix Rising who likes to uh, spread things out a little bit. A, a compact group will will not make it easy for them to get balls in from the wing, uh, trying to get it in, in, towards the, uh, in towards the 18, so. Uh, other results in the USL that we kind of want to look at, uh, Pittsburgh and uh, the defending champion New York Red Bulls 2 tied 3-3. Uh, Corey Herzog had two goals for Pittsburgh, but that was matched by Vincent Bentoncourt with two goals for the New York Red Bulls. So that that was an interesting result, I mean, for Red Bulls coming coming off of that championship season. Uh, Louisville and St. Louis had a nil-nil tie. Richmond uh, over Harrisburg, one nothing. Charleston over FC Cincinnati, 2-1. to one. Tampa Bay opening their USL campaign, topping Orlando City B, one nothing, And they drew almost 8,000 fans to their game. 7,710. That's a very nice number. You know, and, and Tampa Bay has that has that uh, reputation coming over from the NASL. So, I think you know, as as you look down the line, as those teams that are that are trying to vie for that MLS uh, expansion spot. Obviously, Tampa Bay is part of that group. Phoenix is part of that group. FC Cincinnati is part of that group. You know, just in the USL alone. So, obviously, you know, you see these big figures. Uh, attendance-wise, and obviously that's going to be something that, <coughs> that will impress the MLS uh, uh, people that are watching. So, Let's get into some uh, topics real quick as far as uh, what we saw last night, uh, not just on the field, but off the field. Mm. Uh, first of all, let's uh, lot, first of all, let's talk about the parking lot. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, some minor hiccups there you know but not minor but is is that but is that not to be expected for somebody that's opening a brand new complex yeah i think that's a one of those learning experiences you know uh uh, jeff and myself we got there a little early so we didn't go through uh, as much as the pains as everybody else did you know i was sitting in the sports section and you know first half and i still saw a huge line of cars pulling in and you know saw the empty seats and i knew that wasn't good um but, you know, I think there was a pretty good response uh, by the ownership team already that they have some things they need to look at, and I believe the parking lot and uh, single entry and exit is one of those. You know, I saw, I saw the Facebook posts last night and this morning, and obviously David Rappaport, one of the minority owners of the team, uh, he really took to Facebook, you know, this morning and said, hey, we definitely did notice that situation. It's something we're definitely going to be talking about. Obviously, 
We've got two weeks now before the next match, so they actually have, they obviously have a lot of time to sit there and look at plans and see what else we can do to make things flow a little bit smoother. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you know that, that we talked about off air before we started this was was people parking over maybe at the Tempe marketplace and walking over. You know, and uh, that was actually my experience. Uh, I went over, got all my friends over. We went to the Thirsty Line for a little bit and walked over the bridge. I think that's the move, uh, especially if you're a single game goer, especially if you don't have the added incentive of the free parking with your season ticket. I mean, and especially if it's not 110 outside, go right now when it's 70. Just park it over there. It's a nice five, 10 minute walk. Um, you're actually beating all the traffic that's just stuck there in a parking lot trying to get into the actual parking lot. Um, and it was very pleasant. Uh, one issue was they are offering shuttles from Thirsty Lion and they're supposed to come, well, I guess they were only coming every 30 minutes yesterday. And that is a disincentivizer. If they could make those come every 10 or 15 minutes, maybe it becomes more feasible for people to park on the other side, get those shuttles over especially during the summer when it gets warmer. Yeah, one thing that might help out with that too is that they have a designated uh, lane or entry and exit for the, the, the shuttle. Would, they could turn around every 15 minutes and, you know. Another topic we want to talk about here, um, Dominic, you were sitting in the section last night. Uh, yeah. you, you heard it. <laughs> you were there you too. Heard it. Yeah, you heard it. I'll let Dominic uh, speak on this one. Um, there's a lot of discussion on Facebook and Twitter this morning about the, the chance uh, when the opposing goalie was kicking the ball. A special four-letter chant. Yeah. Been a pretty hot topic lately, too. Yeah. I'll say it once, but not nearly as loud as it was being chanted yesterday. Puto is the word. And look, I get it. I'm half Mexican. I have Mexican friends that are all about it. I have Mexican friends that are super against it. So I understand that there, this can be a thorny issue, but it's 2017. And look, I love getting under the opposition's skin as much as anyone else. But let's, if we're going to be a progressive, forward-thinking franchise and fan base, let's think of something better than that. Because I know we can come up with something different that's not homophobic, uh, offensive to a bunch of people <laughs> like come on we can we can do better yeah i i totally agree with that i mean uh, you know i witnessed it firsthand last year uh watching the gold cup here you know at university of phoenix stadium when you got sixty thousand people chanting that you know it, it, it's i agree it's homophobic it's you know it, it has no place in the game you know there are i and i agree there are other ways that 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 you can get under the skin of the goalkeeper. Let's work to find them. Definitely. Now, do you think the you know the people that were doing this chant? Do you think they're um, followers of you know former Arizona United and now Phoenix Rising, or do you think these are new <coughs> new fans who uh, you know might be following because of some of the signings and just kind of the buzz and hype of the new Phoenix team? You know, it's, I think that's I think that's where we've got to find out where it's yeah, truly coming from. Yeah, so how do you enforce that? How do you you know, like I said earlier, it, you know, on an, an international level, uh, Mexico's international team, uh, the players have even spoke out to the fans to tell them to stop doing that. They have been fined. Friday, that definitely did not <laughs> stop them by any means. So, you know, how are you, how is that enforced? I, I don't know. It, it seems like the chant, so the supporter section, it's broken up into five 
sections, and I was in the middle. Um, Los Bandidos and La Furia Roja are on the um, west side, so from my vantage point, it was the left side, and then there were just a bunch of other people that weren't really part of any group on the right side. It seemed like the first one or two times it was being started by the new fans, and then it got picked up later on by Bandidos and a lot of other people. Um, that's a really tough situation to enforce because if it's a supporters group, the team can go directly to the supporters group and say, like, look, man, you got to stop it or we're going to kick you guys out for a game or something. If it's just other fans, what do you do? So Exactly. Uh, and, and obviously, it was fun to be able to see the drums back. Yeah. It's fun to be able to see the smoke bombs finally. And that's, you know... That's something that the, the yeah, supporters group. The fire that almost <laughs> the stadium that was Oh, don't get us started on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, some some off the field news. Obviously, uh, it was reported earlier uh, this past week that that Rising was looking at possibly signing Didier Drogba. Uh, obviously, we did not see him this week, so we'll see where the situation goes this next week. Obviously. We don't know what, what, what's truth out there, what's not truth out there. Uh, you know, a former colleague of mine uh, was one of the first ones that reported that, uh, that uh, he had been offered a, a large contract with Rising. So, you know, your guys' thoughts on, yeah, on the mean, possibility of Didier Drogba being here. I think it would be great draw more fans. Uh, Going to have to add more capacity to the stadium for sure. You know, once, from, from that perspective, you know. And it would have helped us on yeah. the field too with a couple of those yeah. headers <laughs> something <laughs> tells me Drogba would have put that header in in the 87th minute but uh no he would be great and I think the reason that we at least are taking this somewhat seriously is it's not just one guy who was reporting this the first person to break this was a reporter out in Minnesota and then your colleague was tweeting about it and then it actually got picked up by the Chelsea US blog they were saying it sounds like uh, Didier Drogba is set to come here. And then I even saw a story from The Sun, which, I mean, we can argue is that the best uh, journalism out there, but The Sun even had a story about he's joining his teammate, Sean Wright Phillips in Phoenix. So I think there are definitely some wheels on this one, and we should definitely keep tabs on it. Yeah. As they say, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So yeah, this, this is true. This is true. Uh, hopefully every week, you know, we can get an update uh, as far as where Phoenix is sitting in the MLS uh, application process. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some calls in to, to members of the, uh, the rising ownership group and we'll get information from them. If not, maybe we'll try to get uh, some confirmation from the MLS league office and see where they are in the process and see how things are going. So hopefully we'd like to keep you up to date weekly to weekly on that. Um, and uh, as we come towards the end of our, our initial show here. Obviously, you know, we, we wouldn't be doing this without you guys, the fans, listening in and enjoying this show. But we also want to, want to hear your comments and we want to hear your questions. So please, by all means, go to our Twitter page, uh, at Rising... Uh, at, uh, rising at, pod. at Rising Pod. Uh, you can get us on Facebook, Rising Podcast. Uh, Instagram, on, at Rising Pod. Slide into those DMs if that's what it takes, man. We, takes. I mean, we want we want to hear from you. If there's something we're not covering, let us know. We'd love to cover it. If there's a question that you have that you want us to address on the air, 
we'll, we'll be more than happy to address those yeah, things. If, uh, social media is not your thing, we also have an email account set up. It's uh, risingpod at gmail.com. Feel free to send you know any questions, comments, snide remarks to there. Yeah. Well, let's go around the room one last time and uh, some, some takeaways from not just this first podcast, but uh, looking ahead towards uh, next week. Dominic? Oh, thank you for letting me do the honors. Um, I guess my big <laughs> takeaway was even though the result didn't go the way we wanted it to go last night, I was really thrilled with how quickly it all has come together and how passionate the fans were, uh, how involved the new supporters were. And I mean, we're already seeing the second match against LA2 is almost sold out. Um, I mean, I brought a lot of friends on a single game uh, basis last night. And the general takeaway was all, wow, this is, this is awesome. This is a very positive experience. I want to come back for a couple more matches. Um, I think that's what it's all about is bringing in new fans like myself. This is my first year really getting behind the team. Um, and that's just really thrilling to see how the community has embraced rising so quickly. Um, I don't know what else to say. That's my takeaway. Matthew, what about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, even though it uh, wasn't the result we wanted, I saw um, you know, a lot of positives out of that. And the main thing was, um, at least I felt the second half, the offense came out and was a lot stronger and you know, kind of retained possession a little bit more, maybe uh, give that defense a little bit of a break and uh, created a lot of opportunities. They didn't capitalize on them, uh, a couple close ones. Uh, but saw, saw a lot of energy there and, you know, Probably, you know, you got a lot of people from different teams coming in. You got to get that chemistry together. It's going to, you know, take a couple games to really get in sync with each other, I think. Um, and then to touch on just Phoenix Rising in general, um, I think it's amazing what the new ownership has done in such a short amount of time. They created just this huge following and uh, such a popular team nationwide people know about Phoenix Rising because their social media, they're always on there interacting with uh, the fans, getting people involved. Um, they turn a dirt rod into a nice pitch. Uh, the grass looked beautiful, um, filled up pretty nice. And uh, yeah, I just, I think this, we'll see some good things coming out of them in the next few weeks. Yeah, I agree with you guys on the fact that, you know, obviously the result isn't what, isn't what they wanted, but obviously the bigger, the bigger overview was you know, you take an ownership group that took over in, in late August and nobody really knew what to expect. Six months later, they have a beautiful facility. I mean, I was down on the pitch last night. Unbelievable, beautiful grass. You know, I mean, the seats were filled. I mean, obviously people were complaining online. Hey, people you know, always you complain say, online. You, you, you say it's sold out, but we see empty seats. Why is that? Well, they didn't well, see the part of the camera that showed the line of cars still pulling in. You know, but, ex uh, ex yeah, exa exactly. But but what this you know what this ownership done is in this short amount of time is just is nothing short of amazing. Um, beautiful facility, like I said. You know, I, I think the results will come. You know, and like Frank said last night in his post game comments. You know, you know we're still we're a lot of players are still trying to learn each other. You know, and Matt Watson even said that last night. You know, you know, we ma we made mistakes. We know we made mistakes. We know we're not a cohesive unit yet. But we, you know, we're not we're not resting on that. You know, we're not going to use that as a complaint. We're going to use that going forward as motivation. motivation to get us, you know, to get us the results that we need to do. I you know, getting getting an early getting an early road game here this next week, give them a chance to get away as you know, bond as a team. 
I think that will help a lot. Yeah, it'd be nice to get a, a away win and bring that momentum back here. You know, that'd be great. Now, obviously, with a big home stand coming up right after right after this road trip, you know, they'll play four straight at home. You know, that'll be a big a big push going forward. So. And I guess the the kind of overarching thing that we've all kind of mentioned is just, look, Rome wasn't built in a day. That goes for on-field product. The guys are still getting used to each other, and that takes time. It also applies to the parking situation. It applies to what chants are appropriate or not. Uh, all of those things tie back to the central um, tenant that Rome wasn't built in a day. So give it some time. I saw people online already commenting we're going to win USL Cup this year. Let's slow the roll for a second. Uh, personally, I think we're going to get much stronger as the season goes on, and because of our depth, be one of the strongest sides in the second half. But give it some time. You know, Real Monarchs is a playoff-caliber opponent. Then we have LA2 at home. That's always strong. Um, don't jump off the bandwagon, so to speak, if they have a slow start. Yeah, and that brings up another point to you guys. Uh, uh, I guess the... Next home game is they're almost sold out. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. So I was just curious if the result of last night's game might kind of affect the attendance of, uh, you know, single ticket buyers that they might get discouraged pretty easily, or if they were expecting a, you know, a, a bashing, you know, five to zero or something like that, you know. But uh, I, I don't know. Obviously, if the next home game is almost sold out, then <coughs> probably not an issue. <laughs> I mean, nine nine times out of ten, you all you always do see a drop off from game one to yeah. game two. But obviously, you know, with with the buzz of a new facility, you know, maybe that that continues to draw people out and 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 brings them. To, yeah. You know, and, and and makes the game grow, and that's that's the that's the exact reason Burke Bakai became the owner of this team. It's because he wanted to see the game of soccer grow in Arizona. He's seen it done in the past, you know, in 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 Turkey. So, you know, I I think what he wants to do here, he has a vision, he has a plan. We could go an entire podcast just about how awesome. Yeah. Bernie Bakai and the whole ownership group is. So let's not do that today. <laughs> well, we thank you guys for, for joining us for this first podcast. Um, you know, look for us every week. You know, we'll be, we'll be bringing this out on, on Sundays. Obviously, you know, there'll be one week where we'll be previewing a game on a Sunday since, since they'll be playing on a Sunday night in a couple of weeks. So, so that'll, be a, that'll be a little bit of a different podcast. We hope to... Uh, you know, on, on off weeks, we hope to, to get management involved and talk to them and, and give you guys an insight as to uh, to what they're thinking and how things are going with them. So so as, as for this first podcast, we thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, Thanks for listening, guys.